Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Welcome to episode nine of the Film Realist podcast, the film and TV podcast from a complete nobody. That's hopefully for somebody. I'm your host, Kyle Naranya. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than our usual episodes. It's unfortunate life events have gotten in the way of me watching Blonde. I wished to have reviewed that, but I didn't want to leave this week without an episode. I'm trying to stick to that weekly release schedule to be consistent. So I have put together what I think are the biggest news stories in movies. I have, let's see, we got one. I'm not going to count them off the top of my head. And then we are going to be debuting a new segment a new segment called what do you recommend where I recommend what I have been watching, what I've had to had time for watching. That's not in with the weekly discussions, such as house of the dragon, she Hulk and, or currently, or whatever may be the premier television currently being released. So I'm excited to debut that. I actually had some listeners even before the launch of the podcast submit some audio. So in that intro, they will be a part of it themselves. So if you hear yourself or would like to hear yourself, you can just send me a tweet with it. Actually, you know what? Never mind. Maybe that'll be an exclusive thing, but I'm excited to do that. So let's break into the news. So as usual, there's all kinds of Marvel news. So I'm very happy that today I actually have a trailer to discuss because there has not been a significant Marvel trailer in quite a while. So we have what is listed as the official theatrical trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I just have some quick notes here to talk about. Uh, Before I get into those, I have to say that in Marvel's Phase 4, I think these two trailers may be the most exciting trailers they have released period obviously i know there was a lot of hype around spider-man no way home and doctor strange in the multiverse of madness but for myself personally i have not been as excited for a marvel movie as i am after watching these trailers i think the aesthetics to both of them visually are absolutely gorgeous i think the emotional impact that this movie is going to leave is going to be unlike anything we have had in phase four and potentially in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Unfortunately, that is wrapped up in the the sudden and significantly... I don't, need, I don't want to know how to phrase this. I don't want to be too delicate, and I don't want to be hyperbolic, but the, the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, which clearly has affected this film's plot, storyline, obviously the people who worked closely with Chadwick, specifically Ryan Coogler, who had to almost starts from scratch it feels like at least for a significant part of the film based on just the marketing materials alone so i think this is going to be on a marvel experience unlike anything we've had before and unfortunately as i said that's wrapped up in real life events but sometimes it's hard to separate art from reality and this trailer has some of those moments i have uh, some of the notes i have here is it is interesting that the beginning of the speech is or the beginning of the trailer has Namor giving a little bit of dialogue. I believe this is the first time we've heard him speak, which is only the most broken people become great leaders. Now it's interesting to see who he eventually is talking to. It could be the queen who is now being forced to rule Wakanda after the tragic passing of in universe T'Challa. Maybe it's Shuri. Maybe it's Okoye. It could be a number of characters specifically as to 
who he's talking to. I am looking forward to seeing that. We have Namor doing some Mayan-style painting, which it was really cool, seeing a seashell used to hold the different ink. The Chadmic, Chadwick Boseman slash T'Challa mural that is in Wakanda is eerily similar to the one of Iron Man we saw in Spider-Man Far From Home. Although, obviously, as I said, it's it's very hard to talk about this movie without thinking about the real-world events that have occurred, but it certainly, in universe, is at least I felt that it was pulling similar threads into seeing a character passing away, seeing somebody look at that mural as opposed to just be part of the actual environment of the film. We finally do get to see the feathers on Namor's feet, and he is referred to as, he's not, not a king, we see Umbaku mention this, he is the feather serpent god. Now, is he a wrathful god? Is he a forgiving god? It doesn't necessarily seem like he, he may be a forgiving one, given the coordinated attacks that seem to be occurring against the Wakandan people. Wakandan? Wakandan people. Specifically, there is a sequence in this trailer that is very reminiscent of Winter Soldier, where we see an army of Namor soldiers attacking a Wakandan ship that may be harbored, may be containing vibranium, obviously the MCU's most valuable resource, but who knows? We also get to see Ironheart in a very what what I what I assume would be a very maybe the very first flight sequence, and we get to see Riri building the suit, and it was very reminiscent of the very first Iron Man suit, which is crazy to think about. Fourteen years ago, I'm very curious to seeing how this character's introduction will eventually lead to her own show which will be really awesome to see. I'm looking forward to seeing that character. Now, there has been talk, and there will continue to be talk, about who is playing or who will be taking over the mantle of Black Panther. I think this trailer currently makes it seem like it is going to be Shuri, which would make sense. She is the princess of the Wakandian people. She is also a genius, and I would assume that that she has some sort of fight training but Lapita Nia Lapita Nyonga's Nakia who is also a trained soldier could be taking over the role maybe it could be Okoye there are options however I don't the trailers seem to be leaning that way and maybe it'll be a twist but ultimately I don't know if it'll that will be a sticking point for the film story I think it would be more interesting if we know Shuri is is thrust the or the mantle of Black Panther is thrust upon her and maybe it'll it at least for my in my personal opinion I believe it would be a more interesting story to know that in the early beginnings of the film and see how she comes to grips with the loss of her brother the loss of the king and becoming the character of Black Panther and filling that role for her people and for the world as a whole Black, the world needs a Black Panther, and maybe Shuri is going to be it. Who knows? We also get to see the Queen at the UN talking about likely the hole in their society that T'Challa is leaving. We only get to see bits and pieces of what she says, but it's obviously cut up specifically, so we don't know what she's talking about. I, I think this film looks visually spectacular. Getting to see more of T'Challa's funeral... I think that sequence for a lot of moviegoers and MCU fans is going to be 
emotional to say the least. I know that something like this, that is, like I said, it's just, it's impossible to ignore. It's going to be, it's going to seem like there's a lot of repetition in the sentiment, but reflecting real world events and also having them be a part of your fiction hits a lot harder than something just made up. And it may be cathartic for everybody involved, but who knows? I uh, I commend everybody involved in this film for banding together over the loss of one of or the lead character. And seeing what this may lead to, uh, it looks to be something very special. I'm super excited for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I bought my tickets day of recording. I'm really excited to go. I'm going to be going on the Friday. I like to normally go on the Thursday, but... It doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do that, so I'm okay with seeing it on the Thursday. So that is our first Marvel news story. The next one, not tons to talk about, but um, as a whole, it's interesting because this was one of the originally announced Marvel shows for Disney+, and it just sort of keeps getting kicked down the road. It's the proverbial can, to say the least, which is ironic given that Armor Wars is now going to be a movie. Now, it's interesting that this is going to be a film, given how the title alone, I don't know if that's going to be able to draw anybody into theater specifically. Maybe it'll be War Machines Armor Wars. I'm not really sure. All I really care about for this film is that we get to see Justin Hammer back. I want to see Sam Rockwell. It would appear that Marvel, specifically in Phase 4 going into Phase 5, is trying to pull at pull any loose ends that they've had in the remainders of phase one into the back half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with phases four, five, and six. We do know the leader is going to be in Captain America New World Order, which and there have been rumors that She-Hulk would be I have a new She-Hulk poster. If you are watching live on Twitch, you can watch uh, twitch.tv slash film realist. Don't forget realist has two E's. And I am um I'm excited to see the leader back. I think that's going to be fun. Tim Blake Nelson as that character. But having Justin Hammer would be really the last thread from Iron Man 2. If you're going to have something about Armor Wars, as that was a main sticking point of the plot of Iron Man 2, that the U.S. government wanted control over the designs and technological capabilities of the Iron Man suits, that maybe this will come come to be if we have Riri Williams making suits Justin Hammer may be finally successful enough to make a suit of his own. It'd be really awesome to get Sam Rockwell in back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I want to see him dancing on stage again. That is something I need to see, and I think if you were listening to a movie and TV podcast, you want to see it too. Uh, you can tell me on, on Twitter at Kyle underscore Naranya. That's N-O-R-O-N-H-A, or, of course, you can tweet at Film Realists. Uh, let's see here. And that, so that's really brief. I'm going to, I've got two other things in Marvel before we hop into the other big news of the week, which is that Blade, unfortunately, has lost its director. So it was supposed to start shooting in July and was pushed to later in the year, but it, it would, it'd be safe to assume that that is going to be moving forward again, not moving forward, be pushed again. Uh, Bassam Tariq. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. To best of my knowledge, that is how you pronounce it. He's most known for Mogul Mowgli, which starred Riz Ahmed. And this seemed to be his big break. Marvel has done that more and more and more, where they take an indie director who made a very solid film and they want to 
give them a big blockbuster. Probably so they can push them around a little, if we're totally being honest, have a little bit of control. But it's unfortunate because Blade was one of the characters announced at San Diego Comic-Con back in July of 2019. The same Comic-Con where they announced that Shang-Chi had its been cast with Simu Liu. Canadian! And um, so that's unfortunate because I was looking forward to Blade. I like the monster aspects of the MCU. We've had, obviously, Werewolf by Night comes out this week, if you're listening to this week of. We've had Moon Knight. There are potent, there are teases that we may be getting Ghost Rider. Man-Thing is in. There's all kinds of stuff that we could really get into. Um, Black Knight was teased in The Eternals, which technically had the first, opinion, or first appearance of Blade. I would like to see this movie. Blade's a character that, having grown up in the 90s, was super awesome. And Maharsha Ali as this character, I want to see it. So, who knows if this is going to be able to come out on time. It's not the first time Marvel's lost a director, and I don't think it'll be the last. But hopefully they are able to find a director to fill this slot and give us something interesting. There's been a lot of chat online about Sam Raimi. I liked Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, so it would be really cool to get to see Sam Raimi do something even more horror than he was able to do with Doctor Strange 2. That would work for me. I don't have any issues with that whatsoever, and keeping Sam Raimi around is something I think Marvel Cinematic Universe could use more of because there's a certain flair he uses that doesn't feel like it falls under that cookie-cutter assembly line MCU that some people are critical of and obviously there are aspects of that that certainly are true but Sam Raimi is not somebody who typically sticks to conventional filmmaking to say the least and the last piece of Marvel news is over the last two weeks if not month I didn't mention the first part but I it works as a as a bundle piece of news is that both Avengers films five and six Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars now have screenwriters. Now, what's most interesting to me about this news is that Kang Dynasty will be written by Jeff Lovinness, who also wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Quantum and Quantum Mania, which obviously, if you've been keeping up with what's going on in Ant-Man 3, will be the official introduction of Kang the Conqueror. So that would make sense if he is going to be writing this character's introduction to follow it through with Kang Dynasty. And then we have Secret Wars, which has tapped Michael Waldron for its screenwriter and also connections to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Michael Waldron was was one of the main screenwriters when it came to Loki and I believe is working on season two. I'm not technically going to be addressing any leaked trailers for this just because they're leaked. They're not official. We will obviously see them at some point with hopefully from more finalized visual effects. One of the reasons I think Marvel is holding off on this is good is because people have been more and more critical of unfinished effects in their trailers. She-Hulk maybe being the worst of that most, most recently. But what I find so interesting about this is that unlike what we had with Marcus and McFeely, who wrote the first cap, they were all three Captain Americas and then went on to do Infinity War and Endgame, really got to see arguably one of the characters all the way through had more connections with obviously with Iron Man and Civil War and then uh, Captain America, Bucky and having more of the Avengers in Civil War almost seemed like stepping stones to do these massive $2 billion films to say the least. But 
What I'm most curious about after these announcements as to who is writing these films is that are these films going to be as connected as originally thought? I'm led to believe that they aren't, that they are going to work more as one-offs than partic than connected sequels as tightly as Infinity War and Endgame are. Is Kang Dynasty going to be more about a specific multiversal event because of its specific connections to one variant of of the Kang or He Who Remains? And because of Michael Waldron's involvement with the multiverse, specifically in Loki, which wasn't really the multiverse, but I'm not here to split hairs and I don't really have time to talk about that. Or no, it's not that I don't have time. I don't want to get into it right now. But Doctiverse... Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness heavily introduced the multiverse, arguably officially, in the, in the MCU, Earth 616, all the other uh, Earths that we did visit. And we got to see actual, actual multiversal versions of specific characters. Doctor Strange, Mordo, obviously we got to see different Wandas. That, is that going to be more connected to those films and the Loki television series as opposed to a direct sequel? That's just my guess, honestly, based on these these announcements. Maybe they are going to be working. There will be some way that they are working together, specifically for Michael Waldron, who is writing the penultimate film of Phase 6 in the multi... Not penultimate. The, fina, the final film in the multiversal saga. Clearly, he's going to have to be involved with, uh, to some degree, in what... Jeff Lovinness is doing with Kang Dynasty to hopefully wrap up any threads. We do not want a Rise of Skywalker incident again, and Disney does not, given how they expected that to be a $2 billion film. But that's besides the point. All right. Out of the Marvel news, we have something I believed was coming for a while, just based on the popularity and the plethora of streaming content and the success of this television series on Netflix specifically there were six seasons and now I'm happy to say there is going to be a movie I could not be happier that we are finally finally going to be getting a community film Peacock will be the official streaming platform for this film it is scheduled to come out next year yeah, Dan Harmon is returning to screenwrite. A director has not yet been announced. If I could throw my ring into the hat for this, I would really hope it is the Russos who were heavily involved with the success of the of the television series or Justin Lin, who a lot of people don't know, directed the paintball episodes, which may be some of the best in the entire series. Uh, confirming cast members, Jeff Winger, Joel McHale, Annie Edison, Allison Brie, Britta, Gillian Jacobs, Abed Nadir, Danny Pudi, Ben Chang, Ken Jeong, and Dean Pelton, played by Jim Rash. Unfortunately, it has yet to be announced if Yvette Nicole Brown will be coming back as Shirley and if Donald Glover will be coming back as Troy Barnes. Now, that does significantly bum me out due to the fact that Shirley was a character written out of season six, but she did appear in the premiere and series finale of the show. Troy Barnes obviously was very drastically written out in the midst of season five. While given a somewhat okay end, in my opinion, 
I had hopes that they would be in the film if they were going to make it, given the fact that they have been involved in some community things since the release of the show, specifically with that script reading that they did with Pedro Pascal and Dan Harmon. In the midst of the pandemic, obviously, I understand that people were stuck at home and it was a good way to raise money for charities and in dire need of funds. But I believe Atlanta is on its last season and... I just want to look that up and confirm it. And Yvette Nicole Brown, I know, is currently involved in the big show on Disney+. Plus. I, The fourth and final season has premiered. So, yes. So, the fourth season of Atlanta is coming out. I'm hoping this is just a contract negotiation discrepancy currently. And that eventually they will be back to the show. I don't know if Disney is going to let Yvette Nicole Brown go play on another streaming platform. If they're that petty or not, but as much as I enjoyed the back half of season five and season six of Community, it would be something quite special if they were able to have the original cast, obviously minus Chevy Chase, back for the feature film to wrap up what is what is known as Community, Six Seasons and a Movie, which was originally referenced to Cougar Town, which was only going to only going to last two weeks, according to Jeff Winger. I, I thoroughly love this show. It's one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. That would if you I don't have a specific order, but it's Friends, How I Met Your Mother, and Community. Those are my favorite sitcoms of all time. So I'm really looking forward to this. I hope it is as incredible as the hype will be built around it. Dan Harmon has done himself so many favors with the massive success of Rick and Morty. I would say community fans aren't nearly as aggressive towards fast food patrons as Rick and Morty fans may be. Uh, that's just my opinion. But I'm excited for this. I think this is finally something, a win for the streaming services. There was going to be a home for this. A lot of the cast has been said, like, it's not a, it's not an if, but when. And now that a lot of these actors are, are, are have room in their schedules, it is happening. And I'm very excited about that. I am unfortunately upset that glow did get canceled in the midst of the pandemic because i did love that show and i thought allison brie was absolutely spectacular in it but that's you know what things happen the pandemic has affected a lot and that a show getting canceled is not the end of the world so but i am very much looking forward to it and if you haven't checked out community it is something i highly recommend that you do check out because it is hilarious and almost timeless to some degree I, um, as I said, I do not think Chevy Chase will be back. And the last piece of news that I'm not really excited to talk about because I just, I don't, I, okay. Obviously in the state of films, it, this was briefly talked about in mailbag last week's, in last week's mailbag. The question came from Jermaine Jones. You can send your mailbag questions directly to me on Twitter. Or you can send them to uh, the Film Realist Twitter page. Is that a new Planet of the Apes trilogy is going to be made? While initially announced as its own thing, it would appear that 20th Century or 20th 20th Century Studios has officially announced that the new Planet of the Apes trilogy will be a continuation off of the uh, not Matt the Rupert Wyatt and Matt Reeves duology slash trilogy. The three, uh, Matt Reeves directing Dawn and War for the Planet of the Apes and Rupert Wyatt directing Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And so Wes Ball will be directing, Owen Teague will be playing the an older Cornelius. 
who is the younger brother, obviously, of Blue Eyes. And it, I don't understand why they are making this movie. It's unfortunate because I think that the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes trailer trilogy may be one of the most underrated film trilogies of the last... I don't know. Honestly, of the 20th century, 21st century, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a film that rebooted a franchise that, quite frankly, a significant amount of modern film audiences really did not care about and was able to bring enough intrigue into these films and start them off fresh in a more modern setting and start to develop performance capture in a way that it had not been done before. Obviously, Avatar... I'm not ignoring Avatar, but that's something on its own where they are playing completely fictional stylized beings on Pandora. But having a human being be translated into a chimpanzee and that performance work and bring up the question on if performance capture should be nominated for Academy Awards. How do you where is the line between visual effects and performance capture with the actor? Andy Serkis became a household name because of these films and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which is my personal favorite of the trilogy, was an absolutely spectacular sequel followed by War for the Planet of the Apes, which in its own right is a film that is the third movie and you could argue maybe the best of the entire franchise and ended it in a way that was a completely satisfying ending, but leaving room for what was what you would know to be the Planet of the Apes main while not exactly the same as the franchise from the 70s, similar in a way as it set up the survival of the apes moving out of humanity to start their own society. Now, how far ahead are we going to jump? We don't necessarily know. Obviously, with Cornelius being the lead, we are getting a character who is prevalent in the original Planet of the Apes films. But I am very nervous for this franchise. I am not a huge West Ball fan. I have to be completely honest. I have not seen many of his films. But if 20th Century Studios is bold enough to already announce a trilogy. Now, I know we're in the days where you just announce everything. And maybe they get made. Maybe they don't. But I am very nervous for the quality of these films moving forward. Given how deeply I enjoy the original trilogy. I, uh, <laughs> I'm nervous and I, uh, I, I very much hope that I am pleasantly surprised by that. So that wraps up news. I hope you enjoyed the news topics. Now, again, if you would like me to cover a particular news topic moving forward, again, the best way to reach me is on my Twitter page or comment on the social medias. The link tree to all of those is connected to every podcast episode as well as every or it and is linked in every bio of uh, all the social media handles at Film Realist for all of those. I did mention a new segment. Let's get into that new segment. What, what do, do you, you recommend? recommend? All right, we are in What Do You Recommend? That is the newest segment of the podcast. I'm very excited for this. This is me telling you what I've been watching and what do I recommend? So, I have... I'm going to be totally honest. I have, I'm have. i somebody who has suffered with the... Pl- not suffered. I shouldn't... I should say that. There has been a enormous amount of content 
over the last couple years to not even dredge through. But at some point, it becomes overwhelming. Life gets in the way and you don't get to watch everything. And sometimes in the midst of a content slash television slash movie storm, I like to retreat into shows that I may have seen before. Rewatches are not something I do super often because there is so much to keep up with. And now that I'm doing this podcast again... I have content specifically that I need to watch to address, and I did not get to that this week. And I'm going to be honest, I was helping dig dig a trench. As ridiculous as that sounds, that is what I was doing. I was helping family dig a trench to prevent f- leaking in their basement. So it would that took up all of my Sunday, and then I laid in a hot tub with the jets on to prevent myself from being sore today, so I could I could actually go to my job that pays me money. So yes, so. I I have some shows that I go back to frequently because I they, I feel that they are almost a palate cleanser for what I may need to watch or something just to fill time. I'm always working on shows with my wife that may I, I may have seen before. So here are the shows that I am currently going to recommend. They may not be new things you've heard from me, but as this is the first what do you recommend segment of the show, I'm going to put them here. These are shows, one one of these shows was actually announced because its third season is going to be coming out on HBO Max. Crave, if you live up north like I do in the Great White North, also known as Canada, which is Warrior. Warrior is a show that is a kung fu western that was actually originally developed by Bruce Lee in the the mid-70s when he did not get the job for the Shaolin Monk in the TV series Kung Fu. And it is f- absolutely fantastic. It has incredible action, which was desi- is designed by Brett Chan. It was nominated for an Emmy for stunt design. It has Andrew Koji, who was in one of my favorite films of 2022 with Bullet Train as the titular character of Assam. It is a, while not as into intellectual as a show like Game of Thrones... I would say that I there are several different worlds at play at the same time in this show. You have the war with the Tongs, the Chinese gangs during the opium trade of San in California, as well as high society trying to put in place the China, Chinese Exclusion Act, which was a real thing, as well as the Irish trying to develop their union so that way they can get work that they deserve as opposed to the Chinese who are getting their jobs because you could pay them less. You could put pay a penny on the dollar. This show is absolutely entertaining. I think it's really, really great. While being not being overly historic, historically accurate with its portrayal of Kung Fu potentially in San Francisco, I think it's worth checking out. And if you already have HBO Max, it's going to be on there. And you can watch seasons one and two, which would only be 20 episodes, leading into season three, which is scheduled to come out next year. So that would be the first thing that I recommend. The second thing that I would recommend would be a show that I would shout out to Andrew Dice of ScreenRant.com because I did not know that this show existed prior to him announcing his love for it on Twitter. Continuous love. I believe he was actually on Fathoms Deep, the podcast about the show specifically, which is Black Sails. Black Sails to me is my favorite. Uh, it is my Game of Thrones. While I like Game of Thrones, Black Sails fills, is a swashbuckling series with the maturity the adult content similar to that of a Game of Thrones, where it is a prequel to that of Treasure Island. So a significant amount of these characters, such as Billy Bones, Long John Silver, Captain Flint, are in this show, and it is almost their origin story 
Toby Stevens plays the titular character of of James Flint, and he is absolutely spectacular in this. I I've been rewatching the first season uh, very over the past week, and I know if you're gonna say, well, why didn't you watch Blonde? I don't like watching movies in pieces. I wanted to watch Blonde as an entire film. It may be popping up in a what do you recommend lately. There is more things coming out as we get into October, but. I, I, it also has Thomas Hooper, who you may know as Luther from Umbrella Academy. And ironically, because it also shoots in South Africa, there are character actors who are in both Warrior and Black Sails. So I, thir- I think if you are a fan of Game of Thrones and are a fan of Star's shows, or even if you like Vikings, I think that Black Sails, which has a four-run seat, four-run four season run. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. It's fantastic. I don't even want to talk more about specifics, but the politics at play with piracy, Spain, England, and what was going on in the Caribbean. It's, it is certainly worth the watch. And I think if, like I said, if you like those shows and want more because you don't like the weekly release of cable, these are shows that you can fill your time with. So that is what I am going to recommend this week. Let me know if you check out my recommendations. Next week's episode has yet to be determined. Actually, you know what? I can say, now that I've thought about it, Werewolf by Night is coming out on Friday. I will be reviewing that next week. And I believe She-Hulk ends this week. So I will have an entire season one review of She-Hulk for next week. So if you are looking forward to those, hit me up on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Leave a review or comment on your podcast listening platform. The show is on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Tell your friends. Maybe you like, they like one person one man, he, him, uh, talking about movie news on his own for up to 35 minutes at a time. But if you are listening to this, thank you so much. I am nobody, but hopefully someday I'll be somebody. Thank you for listening and watching. I'll see you next time. <laughs>